Ideas, inspiration, innovation. This is The Game Changer. And now here's your host, Chickie Fitzgerald. Good afternoon, Chickie Fitzgerald here, and we are going to talk about a different way to change the game today. We are going to talk about your money habits and how you think about money. In fact, I would even go a little bit deeper and say we're going to talk about how you feel about money. And our guest today is the author of a book called 21 Money Habits That Can Stabilize Your Business and Keep You Sane. And her name is Nancy Ray Evans. Nancy, thank you so, so much for uh, coming to us on short notice. I know we were asking you to stand in for another scheduled guest, but I always believe that it's for a reason. So thanks so much for making the time. Oh, my pleasure, Chickie. I'm so happy to be here. Well, I know we've got a lot to talk about, and and we're going to take about 30 minutes today to dig into this really crazy topic of money. And uh, I think most of us have a bit of a love-hate relationship with money, and uh, you cover this so, so well uh, in the book. And we're not going to spend a lot of time talking about the book uh, because I just really want to encourage people to go and buy the book. Uh, it has 21 very, very simple-to-follow uh, tips uh, about how to change the way you think about money, the way that you act with your money. Uh, but I do want to delve a little bit, Nancy, into this whole issue of sanity. And and your first chapter in the book is about making your sanity a priority. Talk to me a little bit about that. Yes. Awesome. Be happy to do that. And before I do that, I, I want to just share a little bit about why I wrote the book. Okay. Um, as my introduction says, you know, um, there's this dirty little secret in the running of your own business, and and that is that your income is actually going to fluctuate, sometimes a little, sometimes a lot. And I never heard anybody really talking about this, or maybe admitting to it is a better mm-hmm. word. Um, and so that's why I was prompted to write my book in this format. Um, and and so, what were you doing before you wrote the book? I, I know you do uh, what you call money coaching now, and we'll come back to that in a few minutes. But but tell us a little bit about you and and how you got your start in the business world and how that brought you to being an author and a coach. Sure, sure. So I fell in love with small businesses, oh gosh, 20 plus years ago. Um, when I walked away from a steady paycheck to take my first job as a uh, salesperson, straight commission, consulting to small businesses and helping them improve their cash flow from money that they had already earned. So basically I was helping them bring in uh, their receivables. And I was fascinated by the number of different types of businesses out there. One that stands out in my mind when I was out doing literal cold calls one day. And that was a company that built the greens for uh, putt-putt golf. Like, really? Like, somebody actually does this? I mean, it makes sense when you think about it, but, but prior to actually stumbling across it, I never gave any thought to, well, you know, there's somebody out there that does this kind of thing, right? Um, so I was just fascinated with small business. I had a, sort of a niche market in working with um, dentists and chiropractors and also small marinas. 
And what I saw was that these people were really good at delivering a product and service, but they didn't necessarily have much knowledge or skill in terms of actually running the business. And as you know, if you are in business, cash flow is king. Right? Right. So it's all about keeping your cash flow balanced and stable. Um, and once I left that business, I transitioned into the mortgage industry for almost 10 years. I left just before the real estate bubble because I could see the writing on the wall. Mm. And I love financial puzzles. And so the mortgage industry in many ways was an ideal fit for me because it was all about how do you make the numbers work and how do you present it in such a way that the underwriters, you know, believe in this person, right? But what I also noticed during that time, because, of course, I was looking at hundreds, if not thousands, of, of credit reports, which are someone's, you know, snapshot into their, into their money history, and I noticed something. You know, it was, it was not surprising that a business would have struggles with cash flow, because their income was fluctuating. But what I noticed was that even people that had steady paychecks, they knew exactly how much money was coming in every week or every month, and yet they too were struggling to keep things balanced. I'm like, hmm, you know, there's more to this industry, there's more to this money thing than meets the eye. And so I did as I normally do. I started reading books, and I must have read hundreds of books, and I didn't find anything that was addressing this. You know, it's all, oh, do this, do that. Well, it's hard to change those habits, especially if your income is fluctuating, number one. Um, But it's hard to get from point A to point B because you've got all this momentum going. And and oftentimes it's, um, you know, you're just, you're trying to kind of like white knuckle it or use willpower. What I know now, of course, is that our brain is actually kind of working against us, which is why it is hard to change. Um, But I didn't know that back then. Right. So um, through my search and ideal timing, of course, because nothing is a coincidence, right? Right. Um, I ran across my first money coach, and she was the one that taught me the skills um, that I share in my book as to how do you stabilize your income? How do you create the cushions that you need so that you can keep your sanity when your income doesn't always flow evenly? Right, right. And I'm actually the poster child for you. Um, and and uh, as we were talking before we got on the air, you have an online quiz uh, yes. where you're asking people about how they feel about money. And I thought, I thought it was interesting that you do that in isolation uh, without knowing anything about the person, right? So you're, you're mm-hmm. asking about all, all of these emotional words. And and as I was looking through them, I thought, now, you know, I was actually trying to picture the person who would pick the words that I perceived as being um, weak. You know, I'll just say it. Okay. <laughs> and, and I thought, hmm, that's very, very interesting. And, you know, my husband and I both, uh, my husband has always been in sales. And I have, uh, I spent my first 20 years, or uh, I guess about uh, 15 years of my career, with a steady paycheck and helped companies grow dramatically and, you know, never actually got to benefit from that. And so the last 20 years I've had my own consulting firm and, you know, that is the epitome, of course, of the up and down income. And uh, for a 
piece of that, my husband actually worked for me, but you know we weren't in a position to always give him a steady paycheck. So we've had to do that that balancing act, and in some some time frames, the robbing from Peter to pay Paul, or or just uh, you know the hear no evil, see no evil, uh, you know drink a bottle of wine and hope it all goes away, right? <laughs> right. So we've been all over that. Um, you know we have ridden high with million dollar consulting contracts. We have you know had had our first tech startup uh, you know completely go belly up when everything should have been lined up to be a total you know hit it out of the ballpark uh and and then we've we've gone through chapter 7 bankruptcy i mean we have seen the gamut now fortunately we're we're off that roller coaster and and we have uh we have made sanity our priority i will tell you and and thank god yeah. that we have a faith base to live on because uh you know the roller coaster that this world presents to us is a bit crazy and and I'll just say because I I am going to kind of jump ahead to one of the things that you mentioned in the book. And again, we're not going to spend a lot of time on on the book, but one jumped out at me, and that was go go cold turkey on credit. And ten yes. years ago, or actually maybe even a little bit more, um, my husband and I went through Dave Ramsey's Financial Peace University, and then I ended up actually teaching a, a couple oh. of uh, the courses at our our church. And my daughter, who at the time was I think fifteen, went through it. And we did go cold turkey on credit, and we haven't had a credit card since. Um, but you talk about mortgages and credit reports, and boy, was I shocked to find out that having zero debt and zero credit wasn't a good thing. <laughs> exactly. Not if you're trying to buy a house. Right, right. Or get any kind of financing. Yeah. Yeah, so this whole money issue is like it's completely upside down from the way that it should be. So it's not a wonder that our emotions and that, that you use all of these emotional words to describe uh, literally people's engagement with money and what it means in their life. So talk yes. to me about how you transition from some of these more more tactical things because again very very practical recommendations in your book um but always this underlying tone of you know there's something that has shaped how you think about money and you get people to actually talk about that yes yes i help them identify what's actually driving their behaviors around money um, and their decisions and, and, of course, their emotions around money. Um, because, you know, we're always, you know, as much as we'd like to think we're making our money decisions rationally, we're not. You know, it's always an emotional decision that we then try to rationalize, right? So how we do that um, is it's actually a really rich and deep process um, that initially begins as four steps that I, I like to refer to as the money transformation process. And it's a bit of a diagnostic tool where we literally map out your patterns and your behaviors so that you can see them visually and really clearly. And then beyond the money transformation process is where I work with my clients to actually begin to change the patterns and behaviors that they've identified as no longer serving them. So they get the ongoing, they get ongoing support, they get to practice what they've learned, and of course they get accountability, which is key anytime you're trying to make changes. Right, um, right. So that they can actually embrace these new behaviors and sustain them for the long run. 
And, you know, you talk both in the book and I know in your coaching about the fact that, you know, if someone is hiring you, uh, let's say a small business is hiring you to come in and do this money coaching, uh, quite often you have a situation like my husband and I had where I was the CEO and founder of the business. I was really driving the revenue streams. And then you've got somebody who's related to them, right, who is doing the books, right? Now, I wouldn't have called Mm -hmm. us a family business, but we were, in fact, uh, run that way because my husband was making all of the money decisions. And, again, I was just out making money, and fortunately, times were pretty good, and, and, you know, the money kept flowing. Um, But even if I had dealt with my issues about money. Um, you still have the people around you who impact your ability to to spend it, to make it, to invest it. You know, I mean, what, whatever your interaction with money is. And so, when you come in to do the coaching, do you typically coach an entire team, uh, or are you coaching just a single individual in a company? Great question. So I always begin with the individual, and generally it's going to be the leader, right? Um, Because they have to understand this process and what drives them, first of all. And in doing that, they're going to have this huge awareness about themselves, and they'll also start to be able to notice things in the people around them, okay? Um, what I'm saying is, you. so you took the money quiz last night. That's on my website. And the what shows up, everybody's got a little bit of all of those eight aspects and some, and they, they change. This is not like a permanent thing. It's whoever is running the show, whichever type or style is running the show, um, changes based on what's going on. So while the leader of the organization can be quite aware of what's going on with them at any given time based on what they've learned about themselves, they can also start to see it in other people. Um, and oh, oftentimes, once, <laughs> yes, right? And then so once they understand that, then chances are they're going to want me to work with other people in their organization. Right, the martyr or the fool, right? So so the oh, archetypes yeah. that, that Nancy is talking about, um, they are the innocent, the victim, the warrior, the martyr, the fool, the creator slash artist, the tyrant, and the magician. And it's so funny that you say that at different times, you know, that you might actually rank differently. And, you know, if if I had taken this test the day after we had to shut down my first technology company, I probably would have been fairly high on the victim scale because uh, one of the main reasons for that business's failure, even though we had raised $7 million dollars, uh, and and a million of that were our own resources, was that the way that that money came into the business was doled out in such a way that no one could have been successful with it. You know, we literally had to ask for the money every week, and and it was oh. demoralizing, and and you know, it caused all kinds of dissension in the team. And and uh, you know, it's interesting that we talk about you know my husband kind of holding the purse strings in the business. Um, you know, and quite often I looked at him as the tyrant because uh, he didn't understand that you have to spend 
to make money. And now that he's out on his own, uh, he well, not on his own. He actually is in a sales job again um, and got the sales job of his dreams at 61 years old. And now he's 66 and just having a blast, loving what he's doing. And he's so busy, he doesn't have time to to watch my money issues. <laughs> so now I can be the magician and I can be ah, the warrior, right? Which yeah. is how I'm I'm uh showing up on the scale now. So were these archetypes things that came out of observation, you know, uh, over the years of looking at people or was there some science behind this? Tell me about it. Um so these are actually um this is the money style, the money types quiz is actually um the brainchild of my money mentor, Deborah Price, of the mm. Money Coaching Institute. And they're, the, the money archetypes, they're based on the work of Carl Jung. So they're nothing new in some ways. It's just the fact that in this case, they're, they're applied specifically to money and our relationship to money. And you just mentioned something very interesting there, um, very important. You said when your husband was involved in your business, your dynamics changed. Right? Totally. And and that's what happens, that whether they're in business with you or just a husband and wife or any couple that's sharing finances, how you interact with that person can shift. Uh, let me say that again. How you, rea- how, you in- how you relate to money when you're in a relationship versus when you're not changes. Right. And I, I know that from firsthand experience. When I was with my fiance, my money types, um, the, my, my, the ones that I considered the strongest, which are generally the warrior and the creative artist and the magician, which are really key if you want to be successful in business, you need to know right. how to activate each of those um, when it's appropriate. And I totally went into a martyr and victim with him. It was mm-hmm. like... Oh my gosh. So knowing your your spouse's or your partner's money styles right. as well is very important and working on your relationship each of you working on your relationship with money and with yourself right. will develop a whole new layer of intimacy um with you as a couple and how you relate to yourself and the world because how we relate to money um determines how we show up in the world and whether or not we're living our purpose. Mhm. Absolutely. You know, and and it's so funny, Nancy. I have been uh, I've been on a very interesting journey and, you know, as I mentioned, I had this spectacular business failure uh, a number of years ago which led to, you know, essentially surrendering our house and, you know, kind of all the things that happen when when you're highly leveraged uh, and and I realized that that wasn't just a great television show it you know it actually is you know leverages when when you do put everything on the line and 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 you take that risky step and sometimes you win and sometimes you lose and and so the way that we recovered from that uh was just an amazing learning journey and that's for a whole nother day we don't have time to talk about that but but the reason i want to bring this up is that what has happened now and because my um my feelings about money really didn't have much to do with my husband during that particular journey. It had to do with with the investor. Is this time around? I'm you know I'm on my second technology company now, and this time around I've totally self funded. Well, 
I had also sworn I'd never do another bootstrap business again. But when you self-fund, by its very nature, you do it in a bootstrap way, right, which is it's right. painful at best, and it's slow at the worst. And over the last year, I've been writing a book that uh, is uh, hopefully going to the publisher this weekend, um, and it's an allegorical business novel about the journey of the CEO of a technology company. And in my book, it happens to be an Israeli male, you know, in his early 60s. But but in in his journey, he has to get to the place where he realizes that accepting investment in his business isn't failure. It is actually uh, the total opposite of that. And so that's my journey of coming to that place where I could actually write that story about a company like mine who takes in investment capital and then what they're able to do with it. So, uh, you know, you catch me, at a, and again, nothing ever happens by accident, and I don't even remember the topic that we were supposed to be talking about today, but money is a completely <laughs> appropriate one uh, for us to be focusing on, both at the place where I am in, in, you know, publishing my book, but also at the place where I am. Uh, I just sold just 1% of my company. You know, I mean, I, I just let go a little bit of it, and again, it's not so much about control. It's just about finding the right people, uh, you know, that that can kind of catch your vision and and run with you. So I'm interested about this creator artist one because uh, it's one that I actually scored very low on. Tell me why this one is important for an entrepreneur. Well, the, the creator artist is where you're really tapping into your purpose. And feeling that you're you're living your life on purpose, that you're making an impact on the world. And so when it's low, it's usually an indication that you're feeling that you're you're dissatisfied. And and you may be at this point still unconscious about that, but there's some level of dissatisfaction most likely and, and feeling that you're you're not quite on purpose yet. And you know, it's interesting because we always look at the cause and effect of those things. And, and what you're saying both in the book and in your coaching is that we, uh, if we look at the surface, um, and, and so the surface for me is I'm not able to live my purpose because we don't have the revenues that we need yet, right? But I've, I'm laying everything out and all of those things that need to be in place to make that happen. And as I read through the things about the creator artist, um, you know, and I even mentioned at the outset of the call, you know, this one has a conflicted love-hate relationship with money, which which I really yes. do. And and I guess uh, it didn't come out uh, as well as I was interpreting the, you know, again, the emotional words around money. Um but we we love it not because we love money, but we love the freedom that it gives us. Right. Yes. Correct. Absolutely. It's not. It's right. It's, it is what. Oh, and actually, I'm now reading it, and, and that's the line yep. right after that. I didn't even see yep. that. But yep. but yes, I love the freedom, and the freedom to give. Right. I love to yep. give. But when you don't have money, you know, I mean, the other day, and again, we're not at a difficult place financially right now, but I was driving down the street and, and you know, like most uh, cities where, where you have warm weather all year round, you've got people on every street corner, um, you know, um, 
uh, what's the right way to say it? You know, uh, wanting a handout of money, and right. and I had no dollar bills whatsoever in my in my purse of any denomination, and so I was you know pulling money out of my change uh, uh, container in the car, and you know I gave this woman you know four quarters, and I and I apologized to her, you know, and and here she was just grateful, but it brought me back to that place where I was you know, six and seven years ago, where literally giving a dollar would have been like giving, you know, $10,000 for me because we had nothing, right? right? And, and so that love-hate relationship is colored by all those experiences that we have. So you get folks to recognize that. And is it then that they can actually do something with it? I mean, how do they transform the the feeling so that they can think the right way so it's so first they have to become aware of their patterns and their behaviors right so taking mm-hmm. the money quiz is just one um piece of the diagnostic process the four steps that we go through um and so once once they and, and when you go through the whole thing and actually see literally see the map of of what you've done in your life um, mm-hmm. In terms of money and the situations that you get yourself into, that are they're, they're patterns. We're, as humans, we are all about habits, right? And and yeah. create we recreate these same patterns with different people, but essentially the energy around it is the same, and we do it over and over again. So, but because we're still in the forest, you know, we can't we can't see. You know, you can't see that forest for the trees kind of thing. So you don't even right. realize that you're doing the same thing over and over again until you, you actually have, like, this customized map of, of where you've been. And then you take that map and you start to identify, okay, which money style, which money type was running the show there? Oh, my goodness. <laughs> That's what it is. All right. So this money type say, the fool, which you happen to be very low on, and I want to talk about that a little bit, too. Um, <laughs> well, you so wouldn't the, know it for some of my behaviors. <laughs> well, so, so the fool is the gambler, right? Right. And the, but, but at the same time, the fool is also a combination of the innocent and the warrior. And the innocent is like the child, right? We all start out as children, right. not knowing anything about money um, or how to manage it or what to think about it. Um, and then the warrior is, you know, the go-getter. They're the ones that, you know, go out and, and solve problems, and they are generous. Right. Um, they're driven. They're disciplined. They're goal-oriented, right? Um, so the fool, like I said, has aspects of both of those. And I just realized that I lost the question. Where, where are we going? Well, well then, then let me just insert something here, because after taking that quiz last night, and I don't remember the word procrastination showing up anywhere, but I no. realized I had been sitting on something that I needed to deal with, with the IRS. And it mm-hmm. was in a folder. Everything was all organized. I had the information. And, you know, I just needed to get on the phone and just talk to them about this. And, you know, and so I'm wondering whether that procrastination piece is embedded in the fool or maybe it's the innocent. Um, and, and because I was talking to my daughter yesterday or the day before yesterday, and she's she's in her first year of college. And thankfully for her hus- or for my husband and I, she chose to go to the University of Warsaw in Poland. 
And that's a good thing because the tuition annually is only $5,000, and she's in a five-year master's program, so she'll have her master's in psychology for $25,000. US dollars. Wow. And, but we were talking about, um, about procrastination, and we were talking about choices that you make. And, um, you know, it was just very interesting because, you know, quite often we do put off those things where where we're a little bit fearful. But we also, uh, she and I, believe that we are uh, the special snowflake, right, that the the rules Mm. don't apply to us. And so uh, perhaps that's embedded in the magician uh, uh, archetype. But, you know, again, we really do believe that we're different and and that – and it's not that the rules don't apply, that we want to break the rules. We just think that there should be special exceptions for us. Got it, yes. And like you said, that is definitely the magician. Um, So can I tell the listeners? um, Yes about your scores. So so yes, your your magician was your highest score and that's like you just said. That generally means that you you just trust that things are going to work out for you. Yes, right? Um and that's that's you just hit the nail on the head there and that and the magician is the manifester. Um your next highest is the warrior, but yet it's still not necessarily considered active. And again, the warrior is the go-getter. Um, it's the, the result of it not being fully activated is that you can miss opportunities, Mm. um, if you're not focused enough. And sometimes this might show up as being a bit scattered and just you were, what you were just saying about the, the IRS paperwork, um, is probably an indication of that, that, you know, maybe not quite, um, on top of things there. So that might be because and, the and by not choice, quite because I'd rather have a root canal than do anything administrative. But <laughs> of that's <course>. just me. <laughs> ah, yep. That's also very good to know, especially if you're in business for yourself, right? Yes. Um, so we talked a little bit about your creative, your creator artist, and the fact that it's quite low. And I believe I said that this can generally indicate that you're you may be in some kind of a transition at the moment, um, or that perhaps you're feeling dissatisfied or not yet fully on purpose. Mm-hmm. You know, maybe you're in a waiting game. I'm not quite sure. Um, but what's really interesting about your fool, which this time when you took the quiz, is at zero. And what that indicates is that right now you have a very low tolerance for risk. <laughs> and and it's not surprising based on what you right. told me about yourself, right? What you shared with us. Um, well, but I just hired two people when I don't have revenues to pay them. So, okay. so again, my actions belie uh, that particular uh, element. But uh, it, it's interesting to see how it ties back, again, to those emotional words. Uh, so no. it must have been something that I reacted to uh, on the list that, that uh, I wouldn't want to be associated with. I'm guessing that that's how I answered it. Yes. And, and you may have... Um, I think you mentioned you were like picturing yourself and who that person or who, who or what type of person would check off yes, the, yes. the certain words, right? So right. you might have put a little bit too much thought into it, um, <laughs> yes, and that's fine, you know, <laughs> right? <laughs> anyone, anyone who knows me would not be surprised. Yeah, by that. and I, I've done that myself. I'm like, hmm, do I really want to answer that today or not? <laughs> uh, so, you know, if you really want to be honest with yourself, you want to you want to say, okay, where I am right now, you know. Right. Um, 
so um, so if you when you are when your tolerance for risk is really low, then you can have a lot of inner conflict and confusion, mm-hmm. yes. which kind of also ties in with you know the whole creator artist thing too as well. Um, so the question there is, um, you know, what's what's your greatest fear? And if you could well, do anything, yeah, and that, that's pretty easy uh, to answer of. of of uh you know reliving the the previous story of you know taking in money and never making the kind of money that we had anticipated and you know that's every every entrepreneur's uh nightmare and and the interesting thing is and i i, I tell a story uh when i'm doing public speaking um about how you're and in fact i just wrote a blog about this the other day too that your fears can often come out in your dreams and every time I'm going to some kind of an industry event with a bunch of super successful people, I have a recurring dream where I am going up a chairlift on a, a, a ski area. And, and by the way, I hate being cold. I'm not a good skier. I tore my cartilage and ligament the first time out on the ski slope. So, you know, this is not a pleasure trip for me up the ski, uh, the, the chairlift. And, but as I'm looking down, I'm looking at, and it happens to largely be men, but that it's just happenstance. It, it, there's nothing uh, embedded in that. But the men are all dressed in suits, and they're uh, skiing down the moguls, and they're doing it completely effortlessly, right? Mm. And what I realized as I was writing this blog the other day is, is I am a, I am actually them, right? I am, I actually am doing it all effortlessly. I just don't have the bank account yet that that shows all of the effort that I've put in. So, you know, you're right. You caught me at a, a real transition point. And, you know, I want to uh, kind of wrap this up because we, we're running out of time a little bit, but this has been absolutely fascinating. But for our listeners, right, can they do this by themselves? or Or is reading your book just maybe the first step so that they can begin to recognize and then maybe after reading the book then taking the test and then giving you a call and saying hey you know can you help me out because i think we all want to get to that place where we do have a healthy relationship with the thing that allows us to eat and live and give and and all the things that that uh, give us that life liberty and pursuit of happiness yes fantastic so to answer your question, the, the what order to do things in a sense, um, certainly buying my book and applying some of those items, like start start with a first habit and start working on that. And if you can add the next one the next week, that's fine. I also want them to know that what I've discovered through trial and error with my clients, of course, is that changing their money habits can be difficult until they really understand what's driving them, which is now why when I take on a new client, I actually have them um, go through the first, the four steps, the money transformation process first mm-hmm. before we try to make changes. Right. Because then well, they and have... that makes total sense, Nancy. Yeah. You know, can they, can they do... The, they, they can work at it at the, at the same time, but they really need to know what's driving them first because that's mm-hmm. going to be the key to change. Right. Otherwise, they're just trying to fight their their inner shadows that they don't even know are there. Right, right, right. Well, I downloaded your book last night because you do have it available on Kindle. 
And so for our listeners, uh, you know, who, who uh, don't have the patience for waiting uh, the 48 hours that it takes to get the hard copy book, uh, go ahead and download it. I'm, I'm still excited to get the hard copy book, though, because I'm one that, you know, you know writes notes in the, in the margins and circles things and underlines things. Um, so I can't wait to dive in because I know that I need, in order for my business to succeed, uh, I really, really, really need to get a handle on this. So it was very, very timely to have you on today, Nancy, and I just thank you so much. Can you tell folks the best way uh, to get a hold of you? Certainly. So my website is embracingmoney.com. They can also find me um, on LinkedIn, which is how you and I met, under Nancy R. Evans. And, of course, I have a Facebook page as well, which is also embracingmoney.com. Or just simply shoot me an email, nancy at embracingmoney.com. And I do, you know, I invite anyone that wants to learn, you know, dive in. And and they can actually take the money style quiz right from my website. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, I was I was so excited to find that because I don't know if you mentioned that in your email to me yesterday, but I, I was so glad I found it because it yes. it just was so fascinating. Yes, and they, and they will get an instant response to that what right. their scores are, and then of course I offer anyone who takes the quiz, um, you know, a, a basically a fifteen twenty minute overview on the significance of their scores. Mm-hmm. Well, terrific. Well, Nancy, I just hope you have a wonderful weekend. Again, we've been talking to Nancy Ray Evans, 21 Money Habits That Can Stabilize Your Business and Keep You Sane. And I will tell you, just having looked through it, Nancy, uh, I think that this is way more than a business book. I think that getting a handle on your personal finances uh, for those of us who are entrepreneurs and that that money has to come from somewhere to get the business started, that you've got to have a handle on both the business and the personal side to keep you truly sane and to keep you from killing your spouse. <laughs> that helps too. <laughs> absolutely. 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 Yes. When you're, when you're a business owner, it's, it's more important than ever. I mean, it's, it's important to understand your relationship with money, even if you're an employee, but especially when you're a business owner, because you right, have that right. much more on your plate. You've got that many more balls in the air. You just you you need to really get what's going on so that you can learn to manage yourself. It, it exactly. actually becomes managing yourself more than managing your money. Right. Once you learn to manage yourself, the money part's easy. I am looking forward to that day. Well, Nancy, you have a terrific weekend. And again, thank everyone who uh, has listened today and uh, who will listen to this show into the future. And we are talking again uh, just one last time to Nancy Ray Evans. So please go out and order her book, 21 Money Habits That Can Stabilize Your Business and Keep You Sane. Thanks, Nancy. Take care. Thank you. Thanks, Chicky. Bye-bye. You've been listening to The Game Changer. Ideas. Inspiration. Innovation. With Chickie Fitzgerald. Oh, 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 oh,